The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today we are joined by board-certified dermatologist, founder of SLMD Skincare, and social media superstar, known for her series on TLC, Dr. Pimple Popper, ever heard of it, Dr. Sandra Lee. Years before getting her own TV show, she earned the nickname Dr. Pimple Popper from her YouTube videos, where she posted these bizarre yet fascinating pimple-popping videos that captivated audiences across the country. After realizing that people found her field of work so interesting to watch, she soon turned her medical profession into a viral sensation. Suddenly a TV show, skincare line, new book, and a combined 30-plus million followers, aka the Papaholics, my mother's one of them, across all social media platforms. Dr. Lee has supplanted herself atop her profession in the media world. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for being here today. We are excited to have you on Trading Secrets. This is awesome to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And a special hello to Mom Tardic, of course. I love that. So we talked a little bit about like New York and stuff, families yes. there. You said your husband's from there and you, you were born in Queens, right? Yes. Okay. So my mom's got some New York in her too. So she's very like, when I ask her, she's very direct. She's funny. She's hilarious. So mm -hmm. what I do is when I have a guest on that she knows, it's a rule. I could do all my prep. I could have my documents, but I got to call her. Right. Okay. So I called her. I said, "All right, mom, this, you." She, and then she goes, "Wait a second, because she saw I sent her the list. She goes, "Sandra Lee, are you sure you got the right one? You got Dick Doctor Pimple Pop. Are you sure?" I go, "Yes, mom." And I said, "All right, mom, give it to me. Well, what do What do I need to know?" And her response was, "She's sweet." kind, successful lady who is smarter than shit. So that's Mama Tardis. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. And she's smart. Yeah. She's she's the smartest, right? You probably you probably ask her for a lot of advice and you know, she helps to direct you and things. She's you know? the backbone. Yeah. We'd be we'd be she lost. She tells you without like it is. Her. She tells it how it is. She's the backbone of her family. We'd be lost without her. Okay. But here's what I want to start and talk about virality right now. It's like the hottest thing in 2022. And you have people just that have no social media following on like TikTok and stuff, trying to like back into how do I get a video viral? Everyone's talking about it. You did this way before it was a hot topic. And you did it in a way that it's very fascinating because it's pimple popping. Yes. Did you ever expect that pimple popping would become this virality? And what do you think like the psychology behind it is? Why are people so fascinated? You know, I'm always shocked and surprised at what where this is and what it's become. But, it, it, you know, it has been a lot of work as well, you know, really kind of recognizing that there's something there and taking it, trying to take it to the next level. But it was truly shocking in the beginning. You know, I've always liked to do things that were really just... Like silly, I, I'm into cr stupid crafting and things like that. <laughs> like I try to be like a Martha Stewart or something. And I'm, I do all these things and my husband would get so annoyed with me because it would be like useless things instead of working and like actually making money as a dermatologist because that's a good income too, sure. certainly. And my own, my own profession standalone has, was a good, you know, a good stable profession that really like, you know, have a, you have a nice lifestyle. But I would, at night, I just happened to open an Instagram account and thought, you know, people would like to see a little window into my world. And I started to post a blackhead video and people were just drawn to it. And it was so strange. Like I couldn't understand what was going on, but it was also fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, what, who are these people? Why are they liking this? 
So I would do it again and it would happen again. And it just became this thing. And he didn't even know I was doing this. I was like literally under my covers in my bed with my laptop, just posting things. And I was like, I'm going to just try to, you know, put this on YouTube and monetize it and see what happens. Because he thought I was just still wasting my time. He'd growl at me, like, turn the light down, go to sleep, you know. <laughs> and then I think in like the first month, I made like a couple thousand dollars on YouTube. And I was like crazy. And I, so I said, you know, I, I actually didn't tell him that. Okay. I like waited a little bit. And I think the next time I like doubled it, it was, well, it was like, you know, 2000. And then it was like 6,000, 5,000, 5,000, 6,000. And that was when I told him and he was like, oh, wow. Like, okay. Like, this is the thing. Okay. It's okay. Like, I'm not going to get so mad at you, but I don't know. It's just this thing that people are just drawn to it. And it, it, it has, it's like a, like watching an accident, I guess, and you can't look away. Yeah. It's shocking, but also it's really cathartic. A lot of people watch these videos to help them to sleep. Interesting. You know, it's not even just the interesting and the human factor with it. Cause I think the television show kind of taps into that. Like, sure. you know, wow, these people have these things and you're changing their lives. But it really came down to the pimple popping, just watching this release. People felt like, you know, that it was just something like, oh, I feel good now. Like I could just, it makes me happy. It makes me fall asleep really well. And just, they have bedtime lists. And that's why what's so interesting about the YouTube channel is that I think I have like about 7 million or something subs or, you know, for the last six years we've been doing it. But we have over 5 billion views. Five which is billion. which is crazy because it's people that watch the same videos over and over again. You know, when you go on YouTube and you watch like an interesting video, somebody that you follow, you don't really watch it again. Yeah. Or you're trying to learn how to change a tire or something like that. You like look it up. But people watch the same videos. They favorite them and they watch them over and over again because they love them. They give them so much satisfaction. Fascinating. It's, which is really interesting. Yeah. I feel like that ratio of subs to views is like extremely it's unlike anything in the YouTube space. So I, I want to talk, we're going to talk about social media. I want to talk about the monetization of that. Before I do, was there one, so you talked a bit about how you got started. You made a couple bucks. And you're like, people are interested in this for a lot of things like stress relief, maybe the anticipation. There's all these moving factors. Was there one moment you remember where there was, it was a video that just started going nuts, like millions of views. Like there's this one moment that started to change everything. Yeah. I mean, I think there, well, I can't remember the distinct, the the exact video, but there's a couple of them really early on. And it's all about these videos where you don't actually know who the person is, but you just see the blackheads and you kind of hear the conversation. Like people didn't even recognize me. They would recognize my voice in the beginning. They wouldn't even know what I look like. And they just, it, it's, it's all about the blackheads. It's like that they're unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen <laughs> when one pops. And then it's combined with these lovely people. You're just hearing a little bit about their lives. Like there's one guy, Pops, and we called him Pops. You know, that wasn't his real name. And he was telling us about how his, his mother, I'm sorry, not his mother, his wife passed away and he had to move into like assisted living. Okay. And he was really depressed and sad about that. And people like, fell in love with him. Oh. So they were watching all these amazing blackhead videos and that was placed next to like hearing his story. And yeah. they actually, it actually prompted me to start a GoFundMe page from, and I think we raised, I don't even remember how much it is anymore. It was like $20,000 or something like that. And when we gave it to him, he was shocked because he, he knew it was on video, but he didn't know, nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was like a crazy part. Like that was like, wow, like this is something that it draws people to, actually donate to somebody that's complete. They don't know who this person is. And just because of blackheads and his story, like 
I it, don't know. It, it, it's just mind blowing. It's a wild like dichotomy of thinking that blackheads and pimples are this magnetic force that are doing all these things, helping people sleep, helping them with their stress, entertaining them, and then making an impact like to a community and where people need it and telling stories. I mean, anything's possible out there. And so I want to get into, because guys, you, the money mafia, that's what we call our listeners, your papaholics are my money mafia. So I want you guys to know, we're going to get into the TLC show. We're going to get into social media. Before I do, I really want to get into the whole career of dermatology Mm -hmm. in case there's anyone out there that's interested in potentially getting into dermatology. What made you initially interested in doing that? You know, it was probably more so that I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I was in college, I went to UCLA and, you know, I just was kind of taking the normal path with me. I wasn't super driven there at that point. I think it was later in my life that I realized I'm like a triple A personality and I really (laughs) wasn't back then. I don't know if you can evolve into this sort of person. Totally. And I just was, you know, going, my dad's in medicine, my dad's a dermatologist, so I got exposure. So I knew it was an amazing specialty. So, you know, and then it actually was one of the hardest specialties to get into. Interesting. Because there's very few spots available. Um, There's very few dermatologists that are created, you know, like very few residency positions as a physician. Okay. And also it's the lifestyle in general is really nice because, you know, a lot of it is fee for service or things that you don't have to deal with a lot of life-threatening emergencies per se. Per se, you know, I mean, of course, there's melanoma, there's cancers and things like that. But a lot of it is sort of like for anti-aging reasons. So it's like a really kind of a cushy kind of job. Like a lot of, you know, males and females can do this and have like a a life outside of medicine. Is that still the case today? So if someone hears this and like, yeah, I wanted my kids talking about maybe getting into dermatology or I'm thinking about it. Is it still that challenging to get placed into the dermatology world? Yes. And in fact, I just met somebody recently that was finishing her residency and they actually kind of push you to do this extra work. It's like you have to earn it now. You have to do an extra year of research beyond medicine. So like when I got out of school, you know, finishing my training, technically all residency and everything, I was 33, 34. Like that's a long time. That's a lot. So let's talk about that quick. Education wise, if someone's interested, what does it look like to get a year? It's a long long road. It is. And so, and that's, the climate has changed a little bit because now, you know, there are other avenues to sort of do dermatology. Like going to becoming a physician assistant, nurse practitioner, some of them, depending on the state, you can actually own your own business or have a physician kind of, you know, sort of take the liability and like, you know, like be the medical director and then you have your own business. So there's just different variations of it, but really to be a true dermatologist and to actually, you know, be the expert in in skin, hair and nails and treat like medical conditions, you want to be, you know, you want to go through residency. So do I think it's, I think it's an amazing specialty. I'm so lucky to be in it. Do I think it's a different climate now? Would I recommend my kids be in it? It's a long road. It really is. And I mean, it's a great, like it's a great income. It's a great, if I had not done all of this other stuff, yeah. I would, st- you know, it'd be a great, you know, you ha- you, you, you're very comfortable, you know, financially. And, and so like, it's a good, it's a still want, remains a great specialty, but it's just a long road to get there. And you really have to want it because there's probably a lot of roadblocks there. Okay. So that's one thing I want to touch on before we go into the show and social media. You said it's a good income. One of the issues is when someone hears about uh, industry or something, they can Google it and the, the numbers are all over the place. So in the dermatology field, if someone comes out of residency, what like average can they expect to make, do you think? Maybe high, low, medium, your projections. Well I, well, I know that like a lot of the residents that come out, people like companies try to entice them. They're certainly offering them like half a million starting, you okay. know, that kind of thing. 
But, you know, depending on where you're practicing and the type of practice that you have, you can make, you know, definitely seven figures, you know, you you can, you can make a good living there. And, you know, it was just, it was me and and my husband were, so we're double dermatologists in our own practice, private practice. So, you know, we were, we're making good money. And then this thing came along and, you know, dermatology is still stressful. You're still, it's still a job, just like everything else. And it was really kind of cool that I got to do something that was different that still used my knowledge and my experience in dermatology, kind of like, just like, you know, it was like a Muhammad, Muhammad Ali movie, just like kind of, you know, <laughs> just kind of shift a little and dodge any kind of punches, you know? I like it. So it's kind of cool, yeah. Floating like a butterfly out there, sticking yeah. like a bee. I love that. <laughs> when you guys, you started your own practice, did you guys go and like take one of these big $500,000 offers when you got out of school or did you start right away working together, building your own practice? We were lucky in the sense that we didn't have to do that because my dad is a dermatologist. So he retired and we really kind of, slid into his practice and so i had a patient load already and you know to not make it too technical like there's different kinds of insurances that you take where you know hmo versus ppos versus cash base and so we really kind of were had a little bit of a cushion there but we took it to a different level okay too my dad was pretty like slowing down he wasn't really seeing a lot of patients but he'd been established he'd been there for like i don't know 20 20 25 years or so, you know, he'd been there for a while. So we did have that great opportunity, which is why actually we're also in Upland. That's where my, that's where I grew up, like after moving away from New York, you know, which is like between here and Palm Springs. So we're in Southern California. So that's why we started our practice there. You know, yeah, that's, that's really, we got, we had a little step up really, but then we really had to take that to the next level. But, you know, it, it is still like, it's nice to work for yourself. Like we've never really had to work for anybody else. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the dream in my opinion. Yeah. If you guys heard HMO, PPO, some of that stuff was confusing. Make sure you stay tuned to the recap. The Curious Canadian and I will break down all the definitions. Let's get into the social media. So you have your private practice, you and your husband, you step into your dad's practice. Things are going well. Social media starts to take off. You start to see a few thousand dollars come in. Now, TLC comes into the fact well after you've been established on social media. At this point, what did your growth look like before TV shows started knocking on your door? Yeah, well, I will say one thing that was really interesting too was, you know, as I said, we were getting all these views and this was before, I think it was called, I call it the YouTube adpocalypse where they really kind of, you know, tightened down on their ads. And before, I guess it was more like you get a cent per thousand views. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine at one point there early on, I was approaching like six figures a month, just posting blackhead videos, videos that I, you know, it was things I was doing at work. It wasn't like I was thinking up content being, you know, I'm a content creator, but it was things that were walking in my door. You're already doing it. Right. I'm doing it already. I'm getting a salary for that, you know, and here I am just posting this later. And that was crazy. I was like, oh, this is, I could just do this. This is great. This (laughs) This is is awesome. Easy, yes. You know, and it was nice because it was anonymous and, you know, just like there was a lot of safety. I think the fact that I was already 10 years into practice, it was really helpful too. And that was one thing that was a really big deal that I think I could approach this in a very, from a wiser point of view, Mm -hmm. just, you know, I was confident already in my abilities as a doctor, but I also was very careful I think when you're younger, you can maybe get pulled into things and do things maybe inappropriately. Like I was very careful about my patients' privacy and things like that. Yeah, that yeah, stuff. just a lot of things. 
when for the so six figures a month i mean that that is huge when you were making that it lasted and, for like a, a second i okay. mean it was great yeah for a, well, that, a couple months well that, well that was my question though because that was a product of youtube when they would pay for the ads that wasn't you and I, just because we've had a lot of people on from influencing backgrounds talk about it these aren't ads that they're coming to you and they're saying you know i'm looking at mountain valley sparkling waters right in front of me they're not saying go do an ad on your youtube what there's what youtube is doing is they're just placing ads that's what you're making it off of right, right. Mm-hmm. and so how how has that decreased and why has that decreased? Well, I think it decreased, I kind of say unfairly. I mean, it, it d- disproportionately because, you know, I think they deemed my content gross and shocking. Okay. There was a lot of craziness going on there. I mean, like I almost got kicked off so many times of YouTube. I would get strikes all the time. Huh. and I, But I do think a lot of that had to do with there were people on there that were trying to steal my content. It was rampant. It was just crazy. It was like the Wild West, you know, stealing your content, flipping it so that it wouldn't get detected and then trying to get you off, you know, so that they would take the money. Like there was a lot of that going on. And so, and just a lot of strikes because they thought it was, I was trying to be gross and shocking and, you know, people wouldn't want their ads running next to my content. Yes. So it was really annoying because I was like, (laughs) this is medicine. I'm not trying to do something really gross. This is educational. It's entertaining, but educational. That's really like my mantra there with everything, you know. First of all, it's it's like we're tricking people into like educating them and understanding it. So it was just really, it, it was really annoying. And, you know, I think that's why TikTok got so big. They get, they allow people to go viral. They get big, then they post, they get more involved. Everybody sure. goes on TikTok. Yeah. Right. And then they dial it back. Yeah, totally. TikTok is now dialing things back. They a little are bit dialing. From, right. It's how so, they scale. They blow it up right. and then they, they dial it back. They make everybody yeah. excited and then they get you involved. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be part of this thing. And then they pull it back. It was, this connects, your comment also connects back to, we had a CEO of one of the largest talent agencies out there. And he was saying, he kind of quizzed me a little bit. And he's like, name the title type of influencer that will make the most amount of money. And the answer is actually like babies and children like opening gifts. And so the logic and reason behind that is kind of what you alluded to. The big companies with the big dollars want the G-rated version of what the content is because there's less liability with it. And it sounds like you were in this like PG category, but then like YouTube kind of shifted you into a PG 13. And even at times, which is outrageous, this is healthcare, it got shifted into like an R rated and that decreased the opportunities. Yes. Okay. But I look at your social media following. I do this a lot, like 30 million, I'm thinking 16.2 million on TikTok, 4.0 million on Instagram, seven plus million on YouTube. I'm thinking easily in an annual basis, you're making millions and much, much more off social media than a private practice. Does that hold true in 2022? You know, I think, you know, I, I was listening to your podcast coming out here and I like that a lot of people don't want to share like their brand deals and the amount of money that they make and things. And I wonder, do you think it's partly because they are not making as much money as you think that they are and they just are trying to keep it private because it makes it sound like it's a lot bigger? I don't know. I've seen both. I I've, I've seen three reasons. I've seen one, people want the perception that they're making more than they are. I've seen two, people, it's such a wild world that there is no comparing A to B. So they hear what B is making. So then they are embarrassed that they're not making the same. And then I've heard 
very, very open conversations about contractually, I can't share it, right? So like I did a deal with, I'm making this up, right? But I do a deal with Ford cars. In the contract, they make it clear, I can't share that stuff. So we do get people that are just like, I don't care. I'm going to put it out there. And then some people, I think there's those reasons. Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, I think that in terms of like the deals or the money that I make off of the views, it's not as big anymore, you know, certainly on YouTube. But in terms of brand deals or sponsors, I don't really do that very often. And I think it was because early on, you know, when I saw this happening on YouTube, I was like, okay, what the heck am I going to do with this? I mean, like, am I just going to be popping pimples the rest of my life? Like, can I use this for any reason? And that's why I really started my skincare line, you know, because I was thinking like, this is my platform here. People are asking me advice about skin. It's really nice for me to provide products that I know work for them, right? And it's all part of that educational and entertainment sort of thing. So that's really what I put everything in. Like I, all the money that we made on YouTube, we really put it into that. So I didn't have to like get investors or start anything, you know, or anything like that because it was really like set up for us that we could just drive that into that area. And so I don't really do brand deals. I haven't really... I, I'm doing some now, uh-huh. like, but they're not as like, I'm sort of, I think I'm at that level where I have a little bit more clout that I can pick something that's really big. I, I see a lot of these, you know, there are a lot of germ and medicine influencers and they're doing a lot of sponsorships and things. And, you know, in the beginning you think it's cool, but then the audience, you know, they catch on really quick. They know when you're, spo- you know, when you're endorsing a product. So, and I think it can breed some disbelief, you know, and distrust in you. And that's something that I really need to maintain. I really don't want to back something unless I truly believe in it. Yeah. I mean, the credibility with the doctor is just so important. And then I also think to your point, too many ads, you lose engagement, you lose people that are just watching and you lose followers. Right. Dr. Pimple Popper, that people know you from social media, but they know you from the show. And I think it's so cool that social media is what sparked the conversation. Tell us about what that was like when TLC came to you with this opportunity. Interestingly, I wasn't I wasn't very gung-ho about it because I, I had people coming to me about different things, book deals and production companies were courting me. And of course, it's I mean, it, it's I'm honored to be even considered and it was really fun to kind of get into this little world here. But I was scared because I've always been my own boss. I've always had control. I have full control over my YouTube. Yeah. I could decide whether to post things or not. I would edit every word. I would think about like what was being presented there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to change things, but I would certainly try to protect my patients. I think that was the main thing, protecting my patients and making sure they're not made fun of and I was afraid of giving this to somebody else and then they could make it something crazy. Like I had to toss a table or freak out or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's like a reality show, really. Yeah. And so it was concerning to me. So I really kind of hesitated for a while. They really had to pursue me a little bit, not TLC, but production companies. Okay. So then production companies then would present it to, you know, a network. And I think that they took a chance on me, certainly, which was great. But again, it was like, can I do this? It's sort of like, you you might be the same way, like, you know, when somebody gives you a goal, you're, like, just trying to see if you can do it. Yeah, of course. Right? Like, yeah. you want to. You're competitive. You want to see whether you can do something like that. So I got it. And then I was like, okay, well, now what am I going to do? You know, like, now I'm giving people free reign to do whatever, make this whatever they want. And I have to trust them. Yeah. And it really was, it was amazing. I mean, I think, like, our first season, we were, like, went up to top. We were, like, number one. I mean, on the, you know, in the ratings that night, like millions of people were fall- were watching. It was just like this whirlwind. Like it was crazy. 
And I don't know. I don't know. I think they made it amazing. They made the show really good. They made me look better than I am. You know, like just like the they really were able to tap into the the love that is there and the really helping people. It was like an opposite kind of show than what you see on reality in general. Like most of them, you're just trying to create controversy, right? You have regular people or crazy over the pop top people and trying to make them look even crazier. That's why you watch it. But here, yeah. (laughs) But here you start with something crazy and you're trying to make it look normal. Yeah, like, trying to do the story. It's like the backwards approach. Right. When you were, I think it is, it's fascinating that you you know, you know, wanted the creative control and the concern of not having it with the risk, but how it paid off, just kind of letting go and let them take that. Guys, and just so before the podcast went, we already made it clear, we can't get into the dollars of the TLC contract. So we are not going to push that. You guys, Money Moth, would be proud that I that I talked about that before. Because <laughs> yeah. they always say, ask your guests before so you don't push too. Okay, so we're going to do that. But the, the one thing I've always been curious about suppose there is a component in your deal where you can get paid on performance i'm always curious about reruns there's always like seasons being showed do you know when there are reruns or we're seeing a show that's already been out there do just like cast they get paid on that or no i don't think they do yeah i I mean it's like a season by season basis right this is a newer well this is my opinion of course and i don't have super knowledge but just from my opinion and experience again just more recently, because obviously I've been a dermatologist, just acne and warts and pimples my whole life. So like, <laughs> here I am doing this other thing. You know, it all changed, I think, with like friends and, you know, syndication back then. Like yeah. they get paid forever with it. Friends negotiated as a big group. Like I've done deep dives on all these things. Yeah, because the, the money this. they get. We'll talk about yes. that in the recap. Yes. The number they got, it was nuts. It, it's different. Well, now there's different avenues. And that's the other thing with streaming. Streaming has given the opportunity, I think, for a lot of big companies to not to like, not to start from a new with that knowledge of not, becoming another friend sort of thing from their perspective, you yeah. know, and try to create something that they have more power and control over. Yep. Cause you just want to do it. If you're doing a streaming, like you're not going to necessarily get any money from like them pu- putting it, selling it to another totally. network or, you know, playing it again. Like yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah, Be- and you're going to take it. Right. And not saying that I don't lo- like, I love TLC. I mean, it's amazing that oh. now we're part of discovery, which is Warner brothers so and cool. HBO so cool that we're part of this huge conglomerate now, but it's all changing. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different things though, and those people are really smart. They know what they're doing. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> the head executives of HBO, yes. Warner Brothers and other are there for a reason. They are sharp right. and they got they got the big honchos. Okay, oh. let's I'm gonna get a little off the business and, okay. and career stuff, but I think this will help people at home. You have a blackhead, right. you have a pimple. Okay. What's like your number one tip? Should you pop it? Do you let it go? Do you put ointment on it? Like what's the play before it becomes that? Well, you try to prov- you want to try to ha- keep your pores clear, you know, with like a salicylic acid. Okay. That's again why I have my skincare line, yes. SLMD skincare, because it really has. It started with an acne line, you know, using products that we know can help prevent blackheads and whiteheads, which are the building blocks of acne, really. Okay. So using a retinol, using salicylic acid cleanser or a topical. If you have an active inflamed pimple using benzoyl peroxide, sulfur, all those things are like really in our acne kit. Okay. And it's available at Target now, which is amazing. That too. is yeah. so cool. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, to too. get into Target is very challenging. Yes. Okay. So check that out, guys. If you need anything, the yes. SLMD skincare line, the acne kit is in Target. That, I think that's really good. If there, if somebody has yes. a pimple on their face, I though, I have a qu- this question. No, should you squeeze it or at not? At what point do you squeeze it? Well, 
So I'm going to be like all of the dermatologists and say, don't squeeze your pimples. Okay, okay. But I also know that if I explain to people like, and sort of educate them as to why they're going to understand and be able to choose the right time to do it, because if I have a giant pimple, I'm most likely going to squeeze it, but yeah. I'm waiting for an ideal moment. Yep. And that is when it's at the surface of your skin, when it's like a pustule or like, like what people call up. whitehead. Yeah. yeah, because what is that, what, what pimple is actually doing is when you get that red bump under your skin that you feel more than you see, that is actually bacteria getting involved and the pain is because the swelling is there. So the bacteria is like feasting on like your debris or dead skin cells or oil like that or in your pore. And so then it gets really mad and inflamed and your body is actually trying to push this out because it sees that it's foreign. There's a back, there's bacteria there. Let's get rid of this. And that's why you get that pustule because everything's kind of going to the surface, right? And so it's ready to be removed. And that's the moment where you want to take like a sterile needle or something like that, or, you know, a lancet or, or something to be able to nick the surface of your skin and be able to express that purulent out. And the reason is the deeper you, obviously, I think a lot of us have tried to squeeze a pimple too early and it makes it just giant and yeah. mad and worse. And that's because it's not on the surface of the skin. And I think when you do that, when it's deeper seated and it's not ready to be removed, you really run the risk of scarring. Okay. You know, and that's what you don't want to have. You have beautiful skin. So oh, it doesn't sound you. like, it I'll sounds like that. you've been really good about I, not I just follow what things. Caitlin does. Whatever she does. I'm uh, like, yeah, listen, give me some of that. Your mom, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> and yes, my mom, yes. and my mom. She knows her stuff. <laughs> All right. One last question I have about the show, and I'm not sure if you can share this, but if you can. Mm -hmm. Below deck, we've learned that you have to, from some of the housewives, they said like they would have to pay below deck to be able to go on the show. Mm -hmm. We've learned from a lot of other shows that you get paid to go on. When someone comes into your office and on your show, is there any type of agreement? Is it like, okay, you don't pay for the treatment or we pay you to come on or you have to pay us to come on? Is there anything like that? Well, first of all, interesting. I have been asked to be on Below Deck too and I've seen there. So yes, that is the case. That is the truth, right? Yes, yeah. you do. It's discounted, yeah. but you have to pay them and you have to pay the tip too. That's, Th that's the big what, thing. That's what Jill Zarin said, the yes, tip. Yes, yeah, because yeah. then you have to not look bad or, you know, like that's reflective that's a, and of- And it's a, it's a big ass tip. Yes, it <laughs> it's is. no yes, joke. Yes, it is. And it's a big ass, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal to go on that show and to sure. do, you know, because it, it still costs a good amount of money. Of course, you know, it's a beautiful yacht and all this, but you know, also, if you get drunk and you fall around and you make a fool of yourself, as we have seen, <laughs> it's going to be part of the show. Yes. Yeah. It, what's the allure, I think, or what drives people to want to be on the show is maybe me treating them and being able to have this thing taken care of when they've been looking for somebody for, you know, years, but they don't have to pay for their treatment. Okay, got it. Yeah, so, so they that's don't. Like, that's that's, that's good. the part. Yeah. That's part of it. Yes. So okay. yes, there's actually even ca there, there's casting. Fun. Yeah, there are people. They're looking for a new. They're looking for more. Um, because we're right in the midst of taping still. So you know, if you want, you can go on there. You know, there's an email that you can go on. Popper at Ad Aberrant Casting, I think it's called. Where would they would they just Google something? <clears throat> they just like, email and say, hey, okay. I have something. Can you guys? And so then they'll go through the casting process. Popper at Aberrant Casting, it's called. If we can so. get someone from the Money Mafia yes. on this show, you it would be, be amazing. That would be so cool. My mom would die <laughs> yes. if she came out. We're also in our family, we have like crazy white coat syndrome. So it would be so interesting to see like how we'd be relaxed in your office mm -hmm. based on how much Xanax we took, <laughs> Um Okay. So we have like the worst white we coat syndrome. We have Xanax, syndrome. so it's okay. We'll okay. take care of you. That and that's Pronox, good. which is like a nitrous. 
Yeah. All right. SLMD skincare. We talk a lot about money here. We talk about earning money, but we also talk about like consumer protection when people are spending money, what to look out for. I thought it would be amazing with your background, all your education to talk a little bit about skincare when people are purchasing, because there are so many money grabs out there where they don't have the people that are credible behind the products and they know the margins are super high. So as a consumer, the people out there that are shopping for skincare, Given all your background, what is like a big tip you would give them when they're looking to buy skincare? What to be aware of, what to watch out for? I think do your research, I would say. I mean, it's hard to do that. You know, you not all of us have time or the desire to do that. But I think that there are a lot of influencers out there in this world that I am in, like the skincare or, you know, beauty world. And they are giving a lot of really good information out there. But then there's the ones that they, you know, there's so many, like you just have to go on TikTok or something and you'll see like, oh, this thing will erase your brown spot, which is you rubbing with your finger. Yeah, it's like, come so on. yeah, you got to use your, but a lot of people get tricked. I mean, that's just the way it is. I have something that I'm dealing with now. I get people every now and then emailing me and saying like, you, you gypped me with my skincare product. I have this, I tried to buy this anti-aging thing that you endorsed and it, it's not working and now I can't get my money back. It's not me. They're like people that are faking. Oh, they're doing fraudulent me. stuff yes. for you. Interesting. And they, are, and they are using my face and, and putting out articles there. So that wow. is not me. I am SLMD skincare. I do not have any other line. It's not called something else. And I think that there's a lot of that out there and it's really hard to weed through it. Okay. So if it's someone that is pretending to be you and it's not you and they're selling a product and they click on that, I have to imagine it's clearly not taking them to your actual no. site. Yeah. So just be like, I think doing be the due diligence, like know it's the exact is, brand, the right. site, et cetera. And I think what they're doing is they're taking a person's credit card and they're continuing to charge it and they're making it very difficult for you to cancel. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Gosh. It's, and then you feel so bad, but it's like, I've had friends, like friends of friends text me and say, is this you? Mm -hmm. Like they'd be a little, and be like, no, that's not me. And it's not just happening to me. It happens to a lot of other, not just physicians, but other like celebrities or people like in the, in the world, they're like, you know, they're getting, people are thinking that they're selling something. I guess it's simpler for me since I'm in the in the beauty, like anti-aging industry. Yeah. Okay, guys, stay tuned to the recap too. I'm going to talk about this. If you do have a fraudulent interaction, how you can get the money back, what liability the credit cards have and what they have to do that they might not tell you, but you should be aware of. So stay tuned for the recap there. How about someone that's at home that's like, listen, I'm not a big skincare person, but like there's one thing, if I needed to do this, what would Dr. Sandra Lee tell me that I need to do and what's the product that they would get? They're only at the affordability for like one or two. Right. I mean, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I mean, sunscreen, right? We're going to see everybody needs to protect their skin from premature aging, browns, but like so many things that can protect you from. I think like a retinol or tretinoin is really good because that's been around for generations and we know that it can help to minimize fine lines and wrinkles over time. So then that's actually something that we've left for you. Like it's really meant for acne, but like it, we know that it works for anti-aging reasons, fine lines and wrinkles and things like that. So it's really great for your skin, no matter what. So that's really great to use. 
there's just different, like there's antioxidants, there's things that sort of give you a little superficial peel. It just depends on the type of skin you have and what you're looking for. Okay, that's fair. Well, we're going to go through the well, process. Here's what we're going to do too, guys. Okay. I'm going to try all these products. Okay. And in the review, in the recap, I'm going to do a little review. What was my favorite? What I loved about them? That's, so stay tuned to that. It's the SMLD Jason Tarnick review breakdown. And I don't know shit about skincare. So you're going <laughs> to have no credibility behind well, this. Well, let me just tell you though, because a lot of that has, mine is a medically based skincare line. It is not really about anti-aging. Okay. Though it is, it, you know, that that's a, an extra extra sort of thing with it. It's mainly because I knew that a lot of the people that I, are, are, you know, watching me are looking for a dermatologist and they can't see a dermatologist. Maybe they don't have the time or the money or the ability, but they want to take things into their own hands and, and, and really help their acne or their eczema or, or their issues. And so I'm really kind of teaching them what to do. And then I have products that we know work. Because like uh, you said, like there's, you go as seen on TV, even there's like sure. the things to remove skin tags. It's just BS. Or people come in just the other day, someone came in and used apple cider vinegar on their, you know, and they created scarring, but they thought that they could get rid of a cyst or something. Uh, so there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm trying to give them things that we know work so that they can go to that, you know, target or or, or go on our website and just find the products and know that they work for them. Perfect. Whatever issue they have. That's good. Really good advice, especially But you don't those. have any issues, so oh, I, I, I hope you can that. find something. Wow, that's so this nice. Gonna I'm going to gonna take that. All right. I love that. But we're still going to do an SLMD breakout. Okay. And so you guys stay tuned in the recap. I have two rapid fire questions before we get to your trading secret. It's pretty simple. Today, 2022, when you look at like the biggest business revenue generator for you with everything you have going on, the book, the TV show, social media, your practice, your skincare line. Today, what is it? You know what? I will say in all honesty, I don't really pay attention to how much money I get. My husband really handles that. And I don't like to get involved. I, I don't really like to think about it too much. It's like too much pressure I, to I think about that. I love that honesty. Right? I mean, I look I at the big that. goal. Like I yeah. understand I'm driven. I want to do things that can, I'm trying to think of ways to do, make I'm trying to think of ways to generate money while you're sleeping, right? Like I, love that. I don't want to be actively working all yes. the time to have to do this. And so these are the thing these are the avenues I'm trying to move myself in. But I mean, I think that these they're all 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 my stuff is sort of interrelated and it's fun to make more money doing something simple or same amount of money doing something than something that's more stressful. I have found that people that are kind of just through this this whole podcast, the people that are like the best at what they do within a niche, there's a huge percentage of them that are like, I don't really know the money behind it. I'm just so focused on my craft, which I love right. that. I mean, there's so much to that. Let's fast forward the second part of the question. 10 years from now, Forget about the dollars and cents because that's not what you follow. Which of those businesses do you project will grow the fastest? Like if you had um, like the crystal ball, what do you think it would be? Ooh, I always have a backup. See, it's different for me. Like I can always back up to my dermatology. And that is actually gives me the opportunity to be a little bit more risky maybe yeah, and daring because I have a day job. I've yeah. always said that. Like I have a day job, even if all of this went away, I have, so I'm able to sort of try to maybe push the, you know, push it or try to do something a little bit different. So I don't know. I, I guess I will always have dermatology. So cool. This is so fascinating. Your story is absolutely amazing, but we got to end with a trading secret, something that someone can learn from you, Dr. Sandra Lee, with your entire career, whether it's money management, life management, it's just an inspirational quote you live by. What would be the trading secret that you can leave the money mafia with? Be kind, be be honest, be humble, just like I said before. Just be 
the person you are. Don't let things change you and just be a good person and put out good in the world. And then I feel like I've always felt like that was the best way to make a decision. Because if I can say that I'm doing this because I think it's the kindest thing to do, then I can't be faulted. Even if it doesn't work out, I'd feel like, well, at least I tried to, I didn't try to hurt anybody or mm-hmm. didn't try to, you know, do something evil like that. This is payback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I think that what's really good about that, like when I heard you say that, my, the first word, I thought of one word, it's intention, right? Like be kind with like your intention and like your intention means everything. And even when I asked you the money question, your intention isn't the money. Your intention is continue to grow and make an impact with the skill set you have. For anyone out there that somehow isn't one of these 30 million plus people that follows you, if you are one of those people, which is very unlikely, but if you are, where can they find everything you got going on? Your skincare, your book, your social media, everything. Sure. Well, SLMD Skincare is my skincare line. That's at slmdskincare.com. We are also available, some of our products are available at Target nationwide. We are also in the UK. It's slmdskincare.co.uk. And so we have, our, you know, our YouTube has been around for a while. Our Instagram, our TikTok, which has blown up in the last couple of years, like a lot of other people's, all Dr. Pimple Popper. And so that's, and, and my office is in Upland. That's where I practice. I only could see one patient at a time. But that's that's where I see patients like a couple of days a week. I love it. Whether and we film our show there too. And that's where you film the show. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's on TLC. Sorry, I should say that too. TLC. Yes. We yes. love TLC. Yes, All right. So whether you got a pimple to pop and you want to go on the show or you want to follow along, be entertained, apparently fall asleep or, you know, <laughs> yes. just watch the anticipation. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Trading Secrets. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to Dr. Sandra Lee, the pimple popper episode. You know, David, I felt a little weird there hitting ding, ding, ding. I know we recapped uh, Corporate Natalie, but, uh, you know, the Jason Tells All episode, you were doing all the ding, ding, dings. Do you miss it at all? You know, I, I miss it a little bit, but, uh, you know, I... I think the episode did pretty well. Uh, you know, we like to keep track of the rankings of the episodes and the ratings, and uh, we got some good comments on it. So it was, you know, I I got my spot there. Once a year, I know it's guaranteed. Every time you come with a little book deal, maybe we'll do another one. But uh, it feels good to be back in the recap chair with you, 2023. I love it. Well, you nailed that episode. Corporate Natalie, it was last week. And now with the whole build your wealth, better your health, this is definitely more of a health uh, segment in podcast with Dr. Pimple Popper, but we covered all things. And David, thank you so much for sharing your blackhead removal before we uh, started this recap. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> for all of you at home who are wondering what he's talking about, uh, my wife has a one of those vacuum blackhead removers that you use on your nose. Um, and it comes with the app so you can see the video of what it's picking up and I don't know what's wrong with me, but uh, I just can't stop getting blackheads on my nose that come up with way too much, I guess you could call them goo in this case, uh, which you would see from a normal pimple popping episode. But that's just a <laughs> weekly tradition around the Ardwin household. What's your, Do you have a blackhead remover tool secret game over there that the Tardic Bristos play? Well, the Tardic Bristow, I mean, Caitlin Bristow, every time I talk to her, she's got a new, uh, she's somewhere doing some type of face, like, you know, she's like anything that you can do for skincare, she is doing for her face 24-7. She's actually at 
uh, the place we go to here in Nashville, it's called Indie, run by uh, Alyssa. She's awesome. And she's they're doing a new thing where like they numb your face and they do, it's almost like, it sounds like micro-needling of some sort, mm-hmm. but it's not micro-needling. I don't know. There's always something. So she is the skin master. I'm still learning all this stuff. But I do have in that kit that I got from da- Dr. Sandra Lee, this is the blackhead removal tool that I've been using. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty damn, I mean, it's not the suction cup that you use, but this has been really good. You see those little, I mean, it looks like, like it, I mean, a dentist could use this thing. There's, there's like little mini Captain Hooks on there. They are. So that that review, I would give a 10 out of 10 for the pimple and then for the uh, pimple popper stuff. And then also in my little grab bag, there was a bunch of stuff. The retinol was great too, but there's this SLMD, Sandra Lee MD. It's this um, salicylic acid spot treatment. So it's maximum strength, 2% acne treatment. So I had a little zit on my forehead and I put this stuff on before New Year's Eve. I'm not kidding you. Within one day, I was gone. That's never this stuff is like next level. So yeah, impressed by it. So I around the Tardic Bristow household, is is Caitlin like obsessed with like popping your zits? Is she like very hands-on with that stuff with like skincare stuff, or does she make you kind of like tend for yourself? She makes me fend for myself. Okay. <laughs> because she I, doesn't get in the weeds with that. How about you guys? Oh, it's the worst. I I used to enjoy I a nice see little back rub. To like get in the weeds. Oh, I used to enjoy a nice little back rub, a little back scratch. I can't go. I can get a back scratch for longer than three seconds before her. Just she's attacking something. It's just full <laughs> on force. Um, she just like Mama Kaluch, uh, your mom actually is a diehard pimple popper fan. Um, so she's really excited for this episode. I think it's her actually her dream to like work in in, in to work in that industry. But it was wow. really interesting hearing the take of how much schooling that it took to get into, you know, the industry almost more than like your typical doctor to be a, a professional pimple popper. And I didn't realize how like competitive it is when she was because there's only so many few spots. I didn't realize it's like one of the most competitive areas. That's all news to me. Yeah, it, it was really interesting to hear that. I, I just can't get over how she said she has over five billion views on her page, or her YouTube page, and how many were repeat views. Like the fact that people watch it to calm them, help them go to sleep. Like my jaw was on the floor. I don't know how you kept your composure. What was your overall inside take? Like she can't be fucking serious. No, I, first of all, engagement's insane. The fact that people watch this stuff to go to sleep, I had no idea. Even doing all the research I did before the episode, I had no idea about that. I think my biggest takeaway from it, uh, I'm very surprised, I guess, at like how you know, when she said like YouTube AdSense and stuff that was up big time making hundred K a month, but she doesn't do any like placement ads herself. To me, I'm blown away by that because the money that's left on the table there is astronomical. It is. And and you know what's also like have you seen those like pimple popping toys that they have that are supposed to be like therapeutic oh, yeah. for people? Like imagine yeah. how does she not have her own like line of like pimple popping toys that that or or products that people can use as like for therapeutic things like i'm there's a lot you know i, I could see the jason tardic rewired talent the wheels agency. were spinning there <laughs> uh, i had i had in my notes i'm like did a light bulb go off in your head when you were talking about hypothetical <laughs> brand deals uh bless you uh Thank when you're you. talking about <laughs> hypothetical brand deals and you know so i could tell when you were going through this kind of seeing her number seeing her engagement um and knowing that there's a lot of potential i don't want to say miss because they're not she hasn't really even explored them but brand deals product product lines like i think i think you guys might be a little match made in heaven and the chemistry was great great between you guys by the way 
No, I appreciate that. I mean, I thought she was great. She was like a, a light of energy in that room. She was just so wonderful. But I, it brought me back to the Rob Deerdeck episode. It's like, I'm surprised the way Rob Deerdeck sold placement into his MTV show like mm-hmm. early on. I'm shocked that she or TLC, let's just even say TLC, they haven't sold into her social. I'm surprised they don't take like the commercial deals that are being done and then will also offer her a check on top like, use this, you know, these are the two big commercials or two big brands we use during your your episode or your season. Let's get those integrated into your social. I think there's a ton of opportunity to make even more money than she's already doing. Now, dollars and cents wise, I'm, I, I want to ask you a question here. And I think I know the, I have an idea of the answer, but let's talk about three different income streams that she has. She obviously has her pra- her private practice. She has the money from TLC from her very popular show. And then she has her money that she's made off. Let's just take the social media, let's just go YouTube. Okay. Which do you think over the course of her career has she made more money in the TV show, her YouTube channel, or her private practice? I'm going to say number one would be private practice. Okay. Number two would be YouTube. I think. I mean, it sounds like it's come down a lot. And number three would be the show. Just it does t- sound I, like, you it- know. It's TV, like she said. Does she reference friends and all? It just doesn't pay the way it used to. A five billion. I know it said it came down a lot. She was making six figures in the first few months that she was doing starting YouTube, but five billion views is five billion views. I got to think that she's she's making some pretty good coin from that. So I think that you had it pretty accurate, and we're known to be pretty accurate on the show with our guesstimations. That's right. Uh, what else you got, Dave? What else I got a couple more things. Okay. One okay. before I, you mentioned every time you mention something in the episode about stay tuned for the recap. I got to give it to my people. I got one question though, a little <laughs> hypothetical okay. for you. Let's hear it. Let's go, let's so, get David hypothetical. You know, when we're like 16, 18, 21, we just can't wait to be older. Can't wait to yes. look older. Can't wait to, oh, like, yeah. you know, go, be able to go to a, a restaurant and have people like look at like, you know, you're older, you're successful. Sure. But then we yeah. hit this age where it's like, now I'm using anti-aging creams. I'm, using, I'm worried <laughs> about my skin. I'm worried about like, you know, wrinkles, reducing wrinkles. What do you think is the sweet spot age that we're all trying to look? At the end of the day, what do you, what does Jason Tardick think the sweet spot age is where I no longer want to look older and I'm, I'm, I'm using anti-aging creams and wrinkle reductions because I want to look this age. I'm, I'm just really it's curious. It's honestly when I was listening to such this. a great question. I think it's a great question, guys. And I always love your feedback. We're, we literally are watching these reviews like hawks. So continue to please give us reviews. But I'd love to have you guys give us five stars and go to the reviews in Apple, and then tell us what you think the answer to that is. I'm going to tell you right now. I think it is. I don't know, I guess like a really healthy 40. Like when you look at a 40-year-old, the 40-year-old looks amazing. Like you're like, wow, they look sharp and they look good. If you could hold that look for the entirety of your life, wouldn't that be, or do you think it's younger than that? I I think it's going to, the answer is going to differ for males and females. I think for me, like I'm 36. Yeah. I think. Buddy, you don't know your own age. No, that's weird. I think I'm 36. This is all we do here is we talk about numbers and owning numbers. Now, we want to get deeper and make sure we know all numbers. Like, where our crypto is, David? You don't even know your fucking age. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm turning 36 in, in a month. I just did the quick math okay. in my head there. Um, I think that I think that my, like, I, I think early 30s, like 31 for me was like, okay. I look in the mirror now and I'm like, I'm finally aging. Like, I've actually oh, stared yeah. in the mirror oh, yeah. and I'm like, Dude, I got, I just, I buzzed. I got grays coming. Yeah. Yeah. 
tons of grays. I just feel like a little more sag. Like it's time for me to probably get Botox. So I was just curious, but you know, if you so can you, look, your answer is like 31. I'm going to say 31 for, for I myself. I think that's fair. I, I think somewhere in the, like the 30 to 40, like 40 to lower, like 30 to 40 would make sense. Yeah, I think so. You guys so. tell us. You guys tell us. I'm curious. I think it's a great hypothetical. Um, guys, we read these reviews. B. Renee C., her year, the word she said is consistency in the reviews. We had KDP11. She told us what her New Year's resolution is to make this year the best year yet. Danny X Extreme gave us great feedback. Give us feedback. We'll check it out. We'll read it. What is that perfect age that you would like to hold the entirety of your life? This conversation brings me back. You ever seen that movie, Death Becomes Her? No. Wow. Okay, first of all, you need to stop everything and you need to go watch Death Becomes Her and they're actually bringing it to Broadway, I think. I heard okay. a rumor somewhere. Death Becomes Her, David. Put it on your list. You'd be embarrassed by my list. I, I've, I'm the biggest, like, I haven't seen that movie and people's jaws drop. You don't even want to know. You're that guy. I like that. I'm kind of like that too, but this one is a classic. All right, what else we got from the Dr. Right, so Sandra you, Lee episode? You mentioned in, in the episode, um, in the recap, the difference between HMO and PPO. Now, for those who are listening, those are, a diff, I think, different types of insurances that they accept for the private practice in the dermatology skincare world. So difference between HMO and PPO. Okay, so just in general, this is what they stand for, right? So like HMO stands for Health Maintenance Organization. PPO stands for Preferred Provider Organization. Um, they're types of health insurances, and there's pros and cons to both. And you could do all your research when you're understanding how to pick your health insurance plan. But uh, a PPO is like, a, a that's the Preferred Provider Organization. Some of the pros of that are you're going to have a bigger provider list. Um, you're going to have more flexibility and control as to like where you actually can see a doctor because it's much less restrictive on where you can go. But usually the con is it's more expensive. Like that's one of the big things. So think preferred provider organization kind of gives you more freedom, but it's more expensive, if that makes sense. Where HMO, it's going to be lower costs, but you're going to have to go to those like in-network or covered visits, if that makes sense, based on the policy that you have. So, you know, it's going to have to be, you go to your primary care physician, you then get a referral to a specialist. It's got to be in-network where a PPO can be in or out of network and you can go directly to a primary care physician. Or if you want to see a specialist, you can go direct to them. You don't have to go through the whole process of like, go to my in-network physician. And then from my in-network physician, they refer me to a specialist. Now, having the luxury of the PPO where you can just go where you want, how you want, it's going to cost more. That's the big thing to know. Okay. That's a good breakdown. Now, this one I yeah. have to bring up because uh, Dr. Pimple Popper said she was going to tune in to hear your answer. Talking about fraudulent interactions on credit cards, uh, you said stay tuned to the recap to figure out the best way to get your money back and what the credit card's responsibility is during fraudulent charges. So Dr. Pimple Popper's listening. Jason, what do you got for her? Okay. Well, first and foremost, what you got to know is that the federal law requires consumers to not be liable for any more than $50 in charges that are lost from the result of a stolen card or unauthorized purchases, right? So more than 50 bucks, according to the Fed, you are not liable. Now, majority of credit cards work where they have zero fraud liability, right? So 
all cards are protected. And that is MasterCard, American Express, Discover, Visa, all those credit cards out there. They all have complete protection when it comes to fraud. Also, go listen to the Points Guy episode because I yes. think that you guys go into some pretty good detail about that. Uh, the last thing I got for you, and you mentioned it, and I, I know you did a little bit of research on it, and it's a pretty astounding number, but uh, she talked about the... Uh, her show on TLC, you asked her if she gets paid for reruns and she basically said the rerun game is is done in, in network TV because of the way that Friends is still making money off their show. So uh, I know you did the research and if people are home or still listening, how much money do the people from Friends, the cast from Friends make still from reruns on the show Friends? So Money Mafia, sit here right now, sit in this for a second, think about it. What is your answer? How much does the cast make per year? Think through it. While you're thinking through it, here you go. This is from Bustle. What they say is, even though the program's been off the air for 17 years, the stars are all still raking in the dough from the series. According to USA Today, Warner Brothers, the studio that is behind the gargantuan rating success, still brings in an incredible, ready for this, $1 billion every year from the show from syndication rights. That's a gross revenue of $1 billion still all these years later, 17 years later. Now, what they say is that in the contract, each star takes home just 2% of that. But let's do the math, guys. 2%, that adds up to about $20 million per member per year of the cast. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. And for the final two seasons, all six stars brought home an insane one million per episode. Now, if you look again early on to the show, they were paid just thousands per episode. That instantly increased, right? Season three, all stars were paid 75 per episode. Season four and five, that increased into the six figures, then went to 750,000 per episode. And then we know what we just said, All Stars brought home an insane one million per episode for the final two seasons. It's unbelievable, man. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's about as unbelievable as having 30 million followers for Pop and Pimples. And uh, that's, <laughs> that is the, the beauty of the episode that we just listened to. Uh, an amazing career, well-deserved. Um, she's got an amazing head on her shoulders. Um, and I, just a really, really great listen uh, for the first uh Better Your Health, Build Your Wealth episode of 2023. There we go. I mean, I might say, I think uh, Corporate Natalie would have a little Build Your Wealth in there. I'm going yeah, to argue true. that, but we'll say this is the first Better Your Health. But guys, there we go. thank you for joining us for another episode of Trade Secrets. Remember to give us a five-star review and give us any comments you have and make sure you put your Instagram handle because we are watching, we are reading, and we will see you next week for another episode of Trading Secrets, one you can't afford to miss with Mauricio. If you know them, you know. If you don't, you won't forget them. See you next Monday. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.